Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of The American Awakening. I am your host, Michael Herzog, and the title for tonight's broadcast, If a Tree Falls. Yes, the song to this show, Exposing Criminality, the Truth is What We Bring. You're going to hear that tonight. We're going to expose the criminality and bring truth. But getting back to that, I'm sure you've all heard the old cliche. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a noise? Well, let me change that around a bit. If there are a million calls to Congress for an Israeli ceasefire on Gaza and no one is listening, does it make a noise? Does it get anyone's attention? Can a concerned population expect any positive result? If there are demonstrations happening worldwide from an incensed citizenry demanding that their respective leaders support an Israeli ceasefire, and we are still left to watch in horror as innocent lives of, well, mostly women and children are snuffed out every day in spite of our efforts, then to what conclusion does that leave us? Now, I want to share with you a couple excerpts from an article out of the Huffington Post dated November 9th, just written last week by Molly Redden. One of the excerpts says, an end to the bloodshed in the Israeli-Hamas conflict seemed more remote than ever on Thursday when President Joe Biden answered a question about the chances of a ceasefire by saying, and I quote, none, no possibility, end quote. Another excerpt, staffers from more than two dozen Democratic offices say they are receiving an un unprecedented number of calls and emails demanding for members to support a ceasefire, an onslaught for which their caucus was, well, wholly unprepared. And following the October 7th terror attacks on Israel by Hamas militants, up to three weeks passed, and the death toll from Israelis' retaliatory strikes reached the thousands, before many of those offices even formulated an official response. And what was that response? Quote, let it go to voicemail, end quote. That was the prevailing guidance in several offices, 
according to one staffer. Let it go to voicemail. By the way, that article is uh, posted in its entirety on my website, theamericanawakening.org. Phones ringing off the hooks for a ceasefire, but Congress members aren't listening. Hmm, I wonder why. Demonstrations happening with regularity across the United States, from New York to California to France to Germany to Italy, all over in Indonesia, all over the world, in Turkey, in Iran, in Jordan, all over the world. And by the way, this is happening with both new Jews and non-Jews alike. And our leaders and world leaders aren't listening. Instead, they are ordering many to be arrested. Does that not sound like something a bit Orwellian? Now, I want to play a few clips for you. The first is from the United States NBC News reporting on a ceasefire demonstration in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, by, 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 by the way, uh, 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 Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are in San Francisco, as I broadcast this, uh, getting ready to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping. And, and they've ordered certain parts of the really ravaged, uh, trashy San Francisco to be cleaned up right in the specific areas that they're going to obviously guide Xi Jinping through. Hmm. They don't clean it up for the public at large, but they'll clean it up for a Chinese communist president. Think about that for a minute. So, demonstrations happening across the United States and the world from Jews and non-Jews alike and our leaders aren't listening. So I'm going to play this clip for you from NBC News reporting on a ceasefire demonstration right across the bay from San Francisco, specifically in the Oakland Federal Building. It's right across the Bay Bridge. I was born and raised there, so I know exactly where it's at. This is where a Jewish group is demanding an Israeli ceasefire Oh, and uh, by the way, they 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 basically took over the uh, the federal building with a sit-in. So with that, let me uh, uh, go ahead and let's see. Hold on just a second. Let me find it here. I'm going to play clip one also for you. I want to share some breaking news with you out of the East Bay, where police have arrested several protesters at the Oakland Federal Building. The Jewish community members and allies staged a sit-in, calling for a ceasefire on the ongoing Israel-Hamas war in Gaza. Now, as this demonstration is taking place, barrier Jewish leaders are flying to Washington, D.C., for one of the country's largest pro-Israel rallies at the nation's capital. NBC Bears Pete Serratos has the details. dying. Innocent civilians are dying by the thousands. The least I can do is sit here and get arrested. This is nothing. Hundreds of demonstrators are being escorted out of the federal building by federal police after holding an hours-long sit-in, calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. 
But unlike previous ceasefire protests, this one was organized by Jewish Voice for Peace, a grassroots organization of Jewish members calling for an end to the conflict in Gaza. Rabbi Lynn Gottlieb explaining why it's important for her to be here tonight. There is no other choice. How many people do we have to kill before we arrive at a ceasefire? We don't equate ceasefire with peace and safety. Tyler Gregory with the Jewish Community Relations Council says a ceasefire isn't the answer to the crisis in Gaza. And it's why he's joining several Bay Area Jewish leaders in Washington, D.C. tomorrow for a rally in solidarity with the state of Israel, calling on the release of hostages from Hamas. We know that there's been a horrible humanitarian toll in this conflict, um, but these hostages have to come home. And with no end in sight for the Israel-Hamas war, demonstrators in Oakland tonight are hoping their protest sends a message to world leaders meeting across the bay in San Francisco for the APEC summit. President Biden and Kamala are here today. They're in San Francisco right across the bay. And so we couldn't let their visit happen without making it clear that Bay Area Jews do not support how they've been supporting Netanyahu. Never again for anyone! In Oakland, Pete Serratos, NBC Bay Area News. There you have it, folks. Children are dying by the thousands. Women are dying by the thousands. And as this Jewish representative said, it's the least they could do. If they got arrested, there's no other choice. All of this demonstration were Jewish people. On the other hand, you may have heard during that, uh, that clip, the, Jew the leader of the Jewish Peace Council, uh, claiming that ceasefire is not the answer. And by the way, he's a Zionist, folks. That's the difference. They want the hostages back. Well, Hamas offered to trade the hostages. Benjamin Netanyahu said, no, they're not taking hostages. If you've heard of the Hannibal Directive, you'll know what I'm talking about. Story for another day. But they were there letting uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden know that the Bay Area Jews do not support what Israel is doing. But then, all the way across the country, there's New York, and an Orthodox Jewish rabbi telling a large crowd in New York the truth. Listen to clip two. We have to remember, the state of Israel is not a Jewish state. It is a criminal state. You may call it a Zionist state, but never call it a Jewish state. Yes, yes, we desperately need a ceasefire. But a ceasefire is way not enough. We have to realize and we have to understand if we are truly concerned for the safety and security of all, then we have to understand and realize what is the root cause of all what is happening now. We, it's not a difference of religion. We have differences of religion for the longest time, and Jewish people live in peace in Palestine. Are respected and protected by the majority of Muslims. Why? How? Because we were brothers 
den Armen Until this political movement of Zionism can even misrepresent Jewish people and destroy their peace that exists. problem and we have to stop this occupation of Palestine in its entirety. Did you hear what he said, folks? Judaism is not Zionism, and Zionism must go. The state of Israel, the physical state of Israel, is not a Jewish state. It is a criminal state. It is a Zionist state, a political movement state ruled by people who don't believe in the Ten Commandments. Obviously, one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not kill. Equate that, <coughs> excuse me, to this so-called justice. He goes on to say, you may call it a Zionist state. You may call Israel a Zionist state, but never call it a Jewish state. This is coming from a Jewish rabbi. We need a ceasefire. But a ceasefire is not enough because we have to understand what's really going on, which is the purpose of this broadcast. I want to emphasize, folks, what's really going on. Jewish, Muslim, and Christian people lived in peace with one another in all parts of the world for millennia until the, the political movement of Zionism came on the scene. Misrepresenting the Jewish people and destroying the peace that did exist. And as the rabbi says, and as I will say, we have to stop this problem. It isn't what they claim it is. The leaders of this Israeli government are not who they say they are. The problem is not Judaism. The problem is Zionism. Judaism is a religious belief. Zionism is a political movement cloaked in the lie of pretending to be Judaism. These people have hijacked Jewish beliefs for their political goals. Even Jesus Christ warned of this in Revelations 2.9 and 3.9. Beware of those who say they are Jews, but are not. These are the people, the Zionist people, of which Jesus Christ was speaking about. <laughs> 
You do not have to be a Zionist to be a Jew, and you don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. Don't believe me? Just ask Joe Biden. He's not a Jew, but he claims that he's a Zionist, and his actions speak as loud or louder than his words. But before I disclose what I believe to be the real reasons for this ongoing genocidal catastrophe, which is day by day becoming more and more apparently obvious, I want to play one more clip of an interview between Amy Goodman of the Huffington Post and a Palestinian doctor who's been treating these poor women, children, and elderly men and so forth that have been maimed, the ones that lived in a Palestinian hospital. So let's listen to this short clip. It's only about, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds long, but let's go ahead and have a listen to that. Why don't you go with your family south? And, and if I go, who treats my patients? They are not animals. They have the right to receive proper health care. You think I went to medical school and for my postgraduate degrees for a total of 14 years. So I think only about my life and not my patients. I'm asking you, ma'am, do you think this is the reason why I went to med school? To think only about my life? Do you think he went to med school to think only about his life? Dr. Allo posed the humanitarian question to Amy Goodman. Do you think I trained for 14 years, including med school, to think only about my life and not my patients? This obviously was a man speaking with integrity, a man with caring, a man that took, I don't know if they take Hippocratic oaths over in Palestine, I'm sure they do, okay? But this man obviously held the convictions of his oath and his profession to pose such a question to Amy Goodman. Unfortunately, folks, I am saddened to report that this young doctor, and he was only, I believe, 38 years old, this young doctor's 14-year scholastic investment was cut short just three days ago on November 12th when an Israeli bomb struck his home, killing both him and his father. And we just add his name to the list of hundreds of other medical staff killed and wounded by Israeli bombs, claiming that they are only targeting Hamas, yet so far, the death toll has been over 11,000, mostly women and children. The continuous reports come out by the day and are seemingly endless. Now, here's another one from November 14th, just yesterday from IMEMC News titled, Updated, Israeli forces kill seven Palestinians in Tulkarim, one in Hebron. Now, for those of you who don't know, Tokarim and Hebron are not in Gaza. They're in the West Bank. Three young men were killed by a missile fired by the Israeli occupation forces from a drone Tuesday just before dawn, bringing the number of Palestinians killed in, get this folks, the West Bank late Monday night and Tuesday to eight 
Israel has now killed 180 Palestinians and injured 2,700 in the West Bank just since October the 7th. But what? Wait a minute. Killed in the West Bank. Hamas isn't in the West Bank. Hamas, according to Israelis, is in Gaza. Does that tell you anything? It's not about Hamas. It's about Palestinians. But there's more. How about this one out of the uh, Palestine Chronicle, dated November 13th, which was just, uh, uh, well, let's see, that would be Monday, okay? Israel destroys the Al-Shifa cardiac ward as relentless bombardment continues. An Israeli airstrike destroyed the cardiac ward at Gaza's Al-Shifa medical complex in the Gaza Strip, according to a Palestinian official. Relentless bombardment and siege. The Israeli military continues its relentless bombardment and military siege of the largest hospital in the Strip, amid warnings of an imminent humanitarian catastrophe in the complex where thousands of patients and wounded and displaced people are not only trapped, not only are they not being given food and water, even when they're being operated on, they don't have any anesthetic. I want you to just imagine that for a moment, folks. These are Palestinians. These people aren't Hamas. They're just like you and me. They have lives just like you and me. They want to live in peace just like you and me. But, but because of this Zionist government, they're not allowed to. I'm going to go into more reasons why, so bear with me. A spokesman for the Ministry of Health in Gaza told Al Jazeera that doctors are unable to provide any life-saving service to the wounded and the sick and the Al-Shifa complex. The spokesman added that two premature babies and a patient in intensive care already died due to the lack of oxygen and that they expect more to die. Folks, I ask you, I am, <laughs> I implore you, I, I, I beseech you. Does that sound like Hamas is their primary target? <sighs> Remember Lahaina? Remember the strange coincidence of all the damage done located in the exact area where uh, uh, the native residents live that, that uh, that though they were approached many times in the past by, you know, heavy investors, billionaires, whatever, to sell their valuable land, they declined as the land was their heritage. They had lived there for hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. And amazingly and coincidentally, it was that very land that was coincidentally destroyed by a fire. Many experts Taking a close look at the results of that strange fire and the surrounding events drew the same conclusion that it was likely that directed energy weapons were used in the destruction. Yes, the Maui government had plans for that land, and it was documented in their own documents prior to the fire. 
And the evidence points strongly at the fire being a deliberate cover for the underlying agenda. Now, I want you to keep that in mind for a moment while I share with you a few other facts that might cause one to just pause for a moment and say, well, wait a minute. Number one, in September of 2022, remember this, the Nord Stream pipeline that delivered Russian gas to Europe was sabotaged. Oh, of course, the United States denied doing it, though both Joe Biden and Victoria Nuland were caught on tape stating that if Russia crossed into Ukraine, the pipeline would be destroyed. And there was a reporter that asked Joe Biden, well, how, what do you mean? How could that happen? He said, that's a promise. Trust me, it'll happen. Biden promised that. But then after it happened, of course, Biden denied it. And now because of this catastrophe, because of this sabotage, the United States coincidentally is now shipping natural gas to Europe at, no surprise here, highly inflated prices. Interesting, isn't it? So the question is, Kibono, who benefited? Number two, if you don't already know, all you have to do is listen to Scott Ritter or Colonel Doug McGregor, a litany of other people on a, a lot of different uh, broadcasts across the uh, uh, the Internet, uh, Brighteon, Rumble, uh, Vimeo, YouTube. I'll include that because YouTube's actually allowing a lot of it to come out. According to many of these credible professional uh, individuals, mil some of the military, the war in Ukraine is lost. The 100 plus billion, I think it's upwards of 120 billion now, that Joe Biden has sent to Ukraine has been wasted. The administration is now looking for ways to, well, save face, along with, of course, getting rid of Zelensky. Well, what do they do? They start blaming Zelensky, even though the West is responsible for persuading Zelensky, whether it be by you know, bribery or whether it be by threats, I'm not sure. It could be a, a little bit of both. But the West is responsible for persuading Vladimir Zelensky to reject a peace agreement that was offered by Russia back in March of 2022. That peace agreement was on the table. It was initialed by Zelensky. It was initialed by Vladimir Putin. But then the West sent their puppet, Boris Johnson, to Ukraine, promising that the West would have Zelensky's back for as long as it takes. Well, guess what? They have now snubbed Zelensky after, of course, the cost of better than God knows how many, 300,000, 400,000 Ukrainian soldiers' lives and 12 million Ukrainian refugees. Yes, well, now... They're shifting their focus on Israel and the coup de grace regarding Ukraine. The icing on the poop cake, if you will. Though all the evidence regarding the pipeline sabotage points squarely at the United States. This comes out of Reuters just on November the 12th. Listen to this. 
Ukrainian officer coordinated the Nord Stream attack. This is out of the Washington Post, a Reuters outlet. A Ukrainian military officer coordinated last year's attack on the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline. The Washington Post reported this past Saturday, citing, no surprise here, anonymous sources in Ukraine and Europe. Hmm. No one has taken responsibility for the September 2022 blasts, which occurred off the Danish island of Bornholm and ruptured three out of the four lines of the system that delivers Russian gas to Europe. Washington and NATO called it an act of sabotage, while, on the other hand, Moscow said it was an act of international terrorism. Which do you believe? Roman Chervinsky, a former intelligence official who served in the Ukrainian military special forces, managed a six-person team, supposedly, but did not plan the attack, the, the Post reported. He denied involvement. And a spokesperson for Ukraine's military told Reuters that he had no, he had Information, or he had no information about the claim. The Ukrainian Foreign Ministry and Kiev's Domestic Security Service, the SBU, this is obviously no surprise, did not immediately respond to any requests for comment. Now, here's the kicker. This guy they're pointing a finger at, Chervinsky, this guy's currently under arrest and in jail in Ukraine for exceeding Authority, after a 2022 attempt, allegedly, to convince a Russian pilot to defect to Ukraine, which investigators say led to a deadly Russian attack on a Ukrainian airbase. Kind of sounds like Lee Harvey Oswald, doesn't it? The fall guy, the patsy. How convenient. Blame an incarcerated Ukrainian military officer for the Nord Stream attack based upon anonymous sources as you throw Zelensky under the bus along with his three to four hundred thousand dollars or a thousand uh, uh, military casualties and move on to what I believe may be the real reason for what we are seeing unfold in Israel. And I'm going to share that with you in just a couple of minutes here. The cover. Hamas launched a surprise attack in Israel, killing 1,400 Israelis. They have to, quote, destroy Hamas, end quote, according to Benjamin Netanyahu. Here's the question. Do you destroy Hamas by killing Palestinians in the West Bank where Hamas doesn't exist? Do you destroy Hamas by blowing up hospitals and, and, and taking food and water and, and medical supplies away from citizens? Is that how you destroy Hamas? Is that their thinking? Are these people psychopathic? By the way, the Jewish people don't agree with this. I've already shown you that. But here's the question. What if the real reason was because, number one, there is a trillion-dollar natural gas reserve right off the coast of Gaza that Israel wants to both control and profit from. Number two, 
What if there were plans to build another canal parallel to the Suez Canal with two shipping lanes going east and west instead of the current one lane like the Suez Canal has, which is controlled by the Egyptians currently? And number three, what if they plan to use some of the massive profits of the sale of the natural gas to finance their new pipeline that coincidentally their plan depicts in running right through the North Gaza Strip, the exact same place where they announced a Palestinian evacuation before they started bombing it. Is all of this just a coincidence? By the way, if it sounds like a coincidence, look it up, folks. It's all true. Just type it into your search engine and they'll tell you uh, there's a number of articles that I perused through before doing this report, but I believe that they discovered it shortly after, right after 2000, 2000, 2001, something in like that. But it's a trillion to a trillion point three, uh, what is it, uh, cubic meters of natural gas that they found right off the coast of Gaza. And the plans are laid out for a parallel canal north of the Suez Canal, because the Suez Canal only allows one ship to go north or east or west at a time. It's not wide enough for two. They want to expand it, put a new canal in to allow ships to go both east and west at the same time. So, as I said, the natural gas find happened right after the millennium, and the new canal plans are documented. And oh, by the way, what better customer to have for that natural gas flow than Europe, the same countries that have been deprived of natural gas after the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline, that are now paying twice as much for natural gas as they were before the pipeline was sabotaged. And now the pipeline is blamed on an incarcerated Ukrainian military officer. Now, I want you to think about that. As I continue with this, remember earlier I had mentioned to you that uh, the Jewish people, it's not, just, it's not just the Democratic left, it's not just a number of Republicans, it's not just people all over the globe, all over Europe, all over Indonesia, all over Southeast Asia, all over the world that are protesting this. It is horrifying to see what is happening on a daily basis. But the real practicing Jews, the people that have believe in Judaism as their religion, Torah practicing Jews, they're standing side to side with the left. They're standing side to side with the right. They're standing side to side with Christians and Muslims all over the world. They are citing their objections and they're being arrested for it. Now, remember? I'm talking about the separation between Judaism and Zionism. So let me share this with you, okay? This is an article that was posted Wednesday, November 25th, which is as I am recording this broadcast right now. This was just today. The title, Israel's Knesset held a meeting to mull Netanyahu impeachment. 
The Knesset members just this past Monday discussed the potential ousting of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu once the war between Palestinian resistance factions and Tel Aviv comes to an end. Israel's Channel 13 mainstream news reported that the ministers and the members of the Knesset from Netanyahu's own Likud party discussed impeaching the premier, saying that if he remains in the party and an election is held, most party member, mem members I'm sorry, will give a vote of no confidence. The, the, the reporter from that news channel said that this motion against Netanyahu includes other parties who came together with Likud members to discuss the plans for an end of the ground invasion after former war chief Benny Gantz leaves the emergency war cabinet. Folks, in case you're not aware of it, Benjamin Netanyahu is in a lot of civil and criminal trouble, and so is his wife. For, for campaign shenanigans over there uh, and trying to, to, to change the laws in the Supreme Court and all of this stuff. He's not well liked over there. And, and, and taking it a step further, it's interesting that the mainstream news over here, from what I understand, is posting him and let, uh, asking him questions all over NBC and CNN and ABC. But Israeli news won't touch him. He's a pariah over there. The Jewish people don't like him. And let me just throw in, just for the sake of uh, uh, discussion, that he's the guy that used the Jewish people as a guinea pig, mandated vaccines where 98% of them have been jabbed. And he's also a leader or, or, or a member of the World Economic Forum. You know, those people who want to microchip you, who want to mandate vaccines in conjunction with the WHO? This is Benjamin Netanyahu. This is why the Jewish people don't want him, don't like him, want him gone, want him in jail. Sound familiar? We've got a guy similar to that holding the office in the White House right now. We've got a guy who is up to his eyeballs in corruption with his son's laptop and all of the 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 documentation that's coming out in congressional hearings regarding the 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 payments being made by members of oligarchs, all communist party members in China, in Romania, in Ukraine, all over the, uh, the, the, the Mideast, paying Biden and, and through shell corporations and paying his family. This is what we've got for leadership, okay? Um, <laughs> I, it just gags me to think about it, folks. Now, another one I want to share with you. Okay. This is out of the electronic intifada. And uh, give me a second here because I want to uh, uh, see how much time I've got left. So that we've got, uh, okay. All right. The title of the article is Reject Israel's Racist Doctrine. So for those of you who are not aware, I want to remind you of this. For those of you who have not picked up a book, gone on the internet, done any deep research, and looked at any history of what's going on over there in the Middle East, in Israel, in Gaza. I want to share this with you, so maybe it'll get you a taste, wake you up a little bit. For 75 years, Palestinians have passed along the narrative of the Nakba, that's N-A-K-B-A, have you ever heard of that? To each new generation. But now, amid this genocide, the current generation of Palestinians is living through its own horrors. 
Three weeks have passed since the day my family was massacred by Israeli warplanes. This is written by Ahmad Abu Artema. His family was massacred by Israeli warplanes. Six of his relatives were killed, including his 13-year-old son, Abdullah. He says, I was injured and my house was demolished and I have not been able to visit my son's grave, not even once. The intensity and insanity of the Israeli bombardment makes walking, I mean, imagine this, folks, makes walking down the street a dangerous task and one's survival isn't guaranteed. Three weeks and I haven't found an appropriate moment to cry. I am suffocating and I feel like bursting into tears, but the intensity of the tragedies and what follows deprives us of moments of solitude or moments to express our emotions. He goes on to say, I think a lot about how long it will take my daughter Batul, who is eight years old, to forget the horrific memory of this crime she has personally witnessed. Batul was also injured during the bombardment and confesses or continues to speak to me at the hospital about what she saw. She says, I saw a rocket as it exploded. I saw my brother, Abud Abdullah, as he fell to the ground calling, Baba, Baba. I saw the fire burning my hand. I saw the house being demolished over our heads, and I saw Grandma lying on the floor. This is the early childhood experience that Israel has implanted deep into my daughter's consciousness. It is the same for thousands of young Palestinians who will grow up with this horror implanted in their hearts. This is the new generation of Palestinian people. They will forever remember Israel as a genocidal and terrorist state. So what it means for Israel to exist. What is Israel accomplishing as it reshapes the consciousness of millions yet again? Even if Israel eliminates all of Hamas fighters, it has already planted anew the seeds of anger and a determination for revenge that will produce millions of new fighters. Israel produces nothing more than destruction and massacres, and all its preposterous actions will backfire. For 75 years and for the sake of keeping the Palestinian narrative alive, Palestinians have been determined to pass on to each new generation the narrative of the Nakba and the displacement and massacres of 1948. The Nakba is when the Jewish Ergun and Stern gangs came in and displaced 750 to 800,000 Palestinians from their home, took them over, killed these people, okay, took their land. That was the Nakba. But now, Amid this horrific chapter of genocide in 2023, there will be no need for us to tell new generation stories from the past. They are currently living through these stories themselves, perhaps in an even, even more cruel way. Palestinians in the world are witnessing what it means for Israel to exist. It means there will be genocide, the displacement of entire cities, the bombing of hospitals full of patients. It means depriving an entire population of water, food, and fuel. It means purposefully killing thousands of children and destroying entire neighborhoods over the heads of residents. They're, these are no longer just the stories you hear grandparents telling their grandkids. They are the real-time stories we are living through. This genocide carried out by Israel 
is a condemnation of the entire international system, a system that has permitted this terrorist state to not only exist, but to pursue ethnic cleansing and the most heinous crimes against humanity with access to unconditional aid and its full backing by guess who, folks? The United States government, which just galls me. I used to be proud to be an American. I'm not anymore. Israel has full immunity. It will not be held accountable. And in spite of all these horrific crimes targeting civilians, there is still not enough international pressure to force a ceasefire. The whole world can see who Israel is targeting. They know it is a war against the Palestinian people and all aspects of their lives. They know it is not a war against a particular faction, i.e. Hamas, as Israel claims. Yet the world only watches and, well, occasionally condemns. The international system revealed its impotence at the end of October when UN Secretary General, General Antonio Gutierrez held a press conference at the Rafah crossing to pathetically appeal for humanitarian aid and fuel to be allowed in, to enter Gaza. And the problem is the international system itself, the result of the political order that was created following World War II. It is a system that pawns the wills of nations to major global powers. And such powers then obstruct the will of other countries and use the cover of international law to oppose acts guided by human conscience. And this corrupt and powerless international system allows any country that benefits from the support of those major powers to commit atrocities under their protection. The United States and Europe is a prime example. What the United Nations should have justly been is an organization with binding powers that could enforce compliance with international law and human rights. But the long history of colonialism and enslavement do not leave my mind these days as I live through this genocide because Israel was not created out of thin air, but rather it continues the ugly legacy of colonialist nations from America to Australia that have annihilated and enslaved indigenous people like the Indians here in America, like the Aborigines in Australia. Hmm? Today, Israel is the loyal son of this legacy. When officials of this genocidal state describe Palestinians as human animals, which they have, they speak from the same mentality with its roots and ideas of racial superiority as those colonial powers that came before them. The European invaders also viewed colonized people as human animals, and this mental imagery is a prerequisite to committing a genocide. Therefore, this confrontation taking place now, even if its domain is Gaza, is an essence of global confrontation. All governments that favor this genocide state are an extension of colonial regimes of racial supremacies, and the United States is right there beating the drums with them. In opposition, the millions of free people who demonstrate in cities like the U.S., the U.K., Europe, South Africa, and East Asia embody the rejection of this doctrine. But our leaders are not listening. These millions, whose demands are continuously ignored by governments, represent hope that a new world will be born amid this darkness if we continue our active struggle. Folks, this, this can be a world where genocidal regimes and racial discrimination and ethnic cleansing will fail. 
a new and just system can be born where free people may express their wills and moral values and where respect for human rights is not dependent on the interests of the powerful. What a powerful, powerful article. And my heart goes out to Ahmed Abu Artema for that. But think about it, folks. Okay. These people, all, all religious groups, all races, all creeds, all colors, black, white, red, yellow, Indian. Okay. We all lived in peace right now in Iran, in Iraq before the war. Muslims, Christians, uh, uh, Jews lived in peace. In Iran, as we speak, they're neighbors. They live down the street from each other. Don't, don't believe me? Ask Aunt Bennett or ask, um, gosh, what's his name? Kevin Barrett. These people went over to Iran and visited in a conference. They came back, you know, reporting just what I'm speaking with you now. It's not the people that are causing this. It is not the people that are trying to divide and conquer. It is not that they're, they're trying to create black against white and Muslim against Jew and Muslim against Christian and on and on and on and left against right. It's all divisiveness. It's all divide and conquer. I have no bias. I have no prejudice against any race, creed or color. I judge people by their character. And we all should do the, sh the same. And as we sit and watch this horror that continues to unfold on a daily basis, it isn't stopping. We get to the point, where does it end? And the problem is, and I don't want to go into this too much, <clears throat> excuse me, tonight on this, uh, this broadcast, but the problem is, and as Mike Rivero said, he wrote, a, he wrote a dissertation called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. The bottom line to all this is that both sides of this are being funded. And the people that are funding this war, they don't care who wins or who loses. They're internationalists. They're globalists. They sit behind the, 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 their closed doors smoking their cigars and laughing at everybody in their divisiveness because they are the ones that are causing it. It's time for us all to come together. It doesn't matter whether you're Muslim, Christian, Jew. It doesn't matter. What matters is we have to realize who the real enemy is. It's not your brother, the black guy that lives down the street, or it's not the Muslim that lives across the street, or it's not the Jew that lives down the street. It's not. It's a globalist cabal that are trying to totally ensnarl and encapsulate us into a one-world government and inject us with, with poisonous vaccines and microchip us and control our currency with CBDC where we can't spend one dime unless they know about it, and they're able to cut it off at any moment for anything. Oh, I'm sorry that you're 10 pounds overweight. You wanted to buy a steak. I'm sorry, Mr. Schmidt. You can't do that. Bingo. We're turning off. We're not going to allow you to eat meat for a month until you drop that 10 pounds. You think that that's Orwellian? You think that that's unrealistic? That's reality, folks. That's what's happening right now under our nose. Right now as we speak, and I believe December, if I recall, December 1st is the deadline that the, the World Health Organization wants to take over complete control of our medical health. And these governments around the world are posing amendments to this, but it sounds like they're all for it. Do you realize what that means? 
Do you realize that that means that if, uh, uh, what's his name, Adonan Abreasis over there at the World Health Organization, he decides there's a possibility of a pandemic, he can declare that Indonesia or United States of America or South America or any place he deems fit is going to be quarantined. It's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, required to wear masks. It's going to be mandated to roll up their sleeves and get a vaccine. Is that a world that you want to participate in? I don't. But this is what's on the horizon. This is what's coming. And by the way, I meant to mention in all of this, these reasons that I've given you, alternative reasons why Hamas may very well be the cover for what the real agenda is. And remember, I mentioned in prior uh, broadcasts, the greater expansion of Israel Project, which was brought forth actually as early as, I believe, 1882. It was penned by Theodore Herzl and brought to the um, uh the attention of the uh, Zionist community, and I believe it was 1897, don't quote me on that. It was rewritten again by Odin Yainan in 1982. And now uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has shown a map, and he's not shy about showing this, of the greater expansion of Israel project. And in there, by the way, there is no Gaza on the map. There is no West Bank on the map. It's entirely Israel. Does that tell you anything? So I've heard this before. I've heard this time and time. I've heard talk show hosts talk about it. They want to take all Muslims. You know, one of the tricks of the trade when you want to go to war to, with somebody, just ask the military, is you demonize the other person. You, you vilify them. You, you, you make them less than human. You know, when we went into Iraq, there, was, there were terms being floated around like um, – um, raghead or sand, sand with the N-word. Okay, they want to demonize. They want to make them less than human so the, their soldiers are justified in killing them. All right, that's a tactic that they use. That's what they do. That's what they did to the Arabs. That's what they did to, to uh, Muammar Gaddafi. That's what they're doing. Bashir al-Assad, he's gassing his own people, Saddam Hussein. Weapons of mass destruction, that turned out to be a lie. Lie after lie after lie after lie. But it's the same playbook time after time after time. And now it's Hamas. But remember Lahaina. Remember that fire, that storm, that fire was a cover for what they really wanted to do. Obviously, action speaking louder than words. It's playing out as we speak. And when they're going in there supposedly looking for Hamas, yet they're bombing thousands and thousands of innocent people. What are they really doing? They've already admitted they want to uh, an exodus of all Gazans, uh, all Palestinians out of Gaza into the Sinai. I mean, uh, Justin Trudeau's offered to take, a, a, what was it, 500,000 of them in Canada. Israel wants the Palestinians gone because they want the land and they want the access to, to that gas. They want to build a port in there. They want to run another canal through, through northern Gaza. Okay. Then they can ship that natural gas to Europe. After all, it's a lot closer than shipping it from the United States at the extortionate prices. And the United States is part and parcel to it. They're buddy buddies. They're tied it to the hip. They've said it many times. They will back Israel to the nth degree. Well, they're up again. And another thing that I'm going to put forth before I close this, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but... I want you to think about something. After 9-11, there were a number of different reports that came out, videos that came out, scrubbed by uh, uh, 
the internet. Loose change, loose change too. Um, I can't even recall Christopher Boleyn, uh, uh, Sophie Smallstorm, uh, Dylan Avery, uh, just a multitude of patriots that put out videos regarding time, the timeline of what happened during 9-11, what happened leading up to behind the scenes and what happened during and after 9-11 was justification to go to war in the Middle, Middle East, re destabilize it, remake the Middle East for the greater expansion of Israel project, not to mention to take over their control of their, of their, uh, uh, their gas. But in doing so, they needed help. And many, many reports documented, you heard about the dancing Israelis, those dancing Israelis that were caught filming the destruction of the World Trade Centers in 2001. Michael Chertoff, then the head of Homeland Security, they were arrested. The FBI arrested them. They were held detained for I don't remember how many weeks it was. It wasn't very long. And Michael Chertoff, who is, by the way, a dual citizen uh, uh, Jew, he's a Zionist Jew, okay, quietly let them go and they went on israeli tv after that and bragged about it to the israeli media or through the israeli media to the public about why they were there they were there to film the attacks which says that they knew the attacks were going to happen which solidifies the fact that israel was involved the moving systems i mean i could go on and on and on about that i'm running out of time so i really don't have the time to go into it but here's what i want to pose to you why is it that in the face of this horrendous genocide that's happening as, we, as I speak right now, as you listen to these words, why does the United States government have their back 100%? Why does not the president of the United States pick up the phone and say, and by the way, it would be easy to do, and say, hey, you drop one more bomb over there, you're not getting any more money from us, and those carriers are turning around and going home. How fast do you think Benjamin Netanyahu would stop? Now, here's the kicker. From all indications, all the research I've done, and I've done a lot, and I've, I've read the works of many, many other very, very credible researchers who have concluded the same thing. Israel was involved in the planning and execution of 9-11. The Israel Zionist government was involved. Benjamin Netanyahu was, I believe, the defense minister at the time, and he was quoted on video as saying, oh, this is good for Israel. Do you think that it's a possibility that the United States is 100% in lockstep, joined at the hip with Israel because somebody in Israel might blow the whistle to the American people and say, hey, guess what? You know, 9-11 was an inside job. It was a lie, and we were involved in it. Just a possibility. Think about that, because I have to tell you, folks, I've spent a number of not sleepless nights, but I've lost a lot of sleep on trying to figure out exactly why it is or where my government went, because up to now, this has happened before. It happened in 67 with Israel. It happened in 73 with Israel. And every time somebody would step in, whether it be Richard Nixon or Jimmy Carter, and they would basically put uh, pull the reins in on the Israeli prime minister and they would say enough is enough, and Israel would back off. It's not happening this time. And the question is why? Then you have Lindsey Grant coming out. You know, he's already prepared the paperwork. Biden, if you want to go into Iran, it's okay with us. Go ahead. You know, it's, it used to take a congressional uh, majority to declare war. It happened. Last time that happened was World War II. 
That doesn't happen anymore. How many wars have we seen? Lindsey Graham is happy to put it out there. Blumenthal, happy to put it out there. Yeah, go ahead. We're with you. <laughs> Lindsey Graham doesn't have any culpability. It's easy for him to say. But I want you to think about what I've just said tonight. All right. Think about it real hard. Do your own research, folks. Thanks for listening. We're out of time. See you same time next week. Bye.